Thank you very much, Mr. Canard, and uh, uh, for introducing me. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, so I will be uh, showing on the screen, right? Because most of it. So you, you will see, uh, uh, probably from the title, this may be a bit uh, cryptic title. For some of you, there are some so there is some strange combination of words together, and probably, uh, which I will explain uh, in more detail what, what does it mean. Uh, and perhaps uh, the, the main message you get from this title is this, I will be talking about sleep. Uh, and, uh, uh, but I'd like to begin uh, with, with this slide, showing that uh, the concept of, of sleep is uh, not really well defined. So it is, uh, there is a lot of uh, attempts to define sleep and how to approach it. And uh, uh, in my talk, I will try to explain why sleep is such a complex and interesting state uh, and how far we are still in understanding the state. Uh, many researchers uh, thought about how to define sleep uh, rigorously and scientifically. And uh, I'm citing here Hervé uh, um, Piron, who uh, defined sleep originally more than 100 years ago based on purely behavioral criteria such as physical quiescence, typical body posture, specific sleep inside, state reversibility, and elevated threshold for arousal and reactivity. Uh, you would see, uh, however, easily that none of these uh, criteria is sufficient and necessary to define sleep. And they're rather, they, they correlate with being, uh, being in a sleep state, but none of them really tells you what sleep is. And uh, those researchers who study simpler organisms, such as zebrafish or Drosophila, they would tell you that if you look uh, at, at this animal at any given moment, in many cases you wouldn't be really able to tell if it is awake or asleep. Uh, so we, of course, uh, uh, we have um, many tools to investigate sleep uh, quantitatively and uh, objectively. And a golden standard uh, since a while has been and still is recording activity. Uh, in this case, uh, activity monitor, monitor was put on the wrist of a subject, it is myself, and it is uh, one of my trips from Europe to United States. Uh, and, and you can see how rich is the information contained in just one this slide, how much you can learn from this pattern. You can see when, uh, when, when I would go to sleep, uh, how, how I experienced jet lag, this was a conference, and then at this point, conference was over, so I uh, uh, here it was over, so I had I slept much longer. And then, when I return, you can see my very first weekend after I return when I sleep many many hours more, because uh, apparently I was quite sleep deprived during this uh, period. Uh, and uh, another advantage of this approach is that you can record uh, um, wrist activity for many years. And um, Alex Borby, who is the originator of sleep homeostasis, is the person who uh, actually wears activity uh, uh, device for longer than any other human being <coughs> for more than 30 years. And uh, uh, he even deserved this um, piece of art in Dusseldorf in Germany. It is a, a column that spans six floors of a building and it is lit from inside, and you can see his, uh, I think about seven years of his life. You can see the, uh, uh, when he was traveling to Japan and so on. Uh, but of course, if uh, with the advent of uh, electroencephalography, and especially whole night polysomnography, it became uh, apparent that within sleep, there are many uh, interesting things happening which are not easy to capture just with activity monitor. 
Uh, so um, I will be talking a lot about all these events, but uh, to remind you quickly that sleep, that there are several stages of vigilance, starting from wakefulness, uh, which in quiet state is characterized by alpha waves, um, and then through very, very superficial stage, um, reach of theta waves, you transition to stage two sleep, characterized by sleep spindles and cake plexus. Uh, and then eventually you reach the deepest uh, stage of sleep, deepest in terms of arousal threshold, characterized by amplitude slow waves. And then uh, once in a while you, you transition to REM sleep, which is an active brain state. Uh, uh, EG during sleep and during waking is often uh, analyzed quantitatively with spectral analysis, which is a, a decomposition of the signal. Uh, into uh, into the frequency, so it is basically go from uh, time domain to frequency domain, and you can look at how, which frequencies uh, contribute most to the power of the EG. Uh, so you can see that uh, during REM and waking, in rodents, uh, theta activity is, is high, and in non-REM sleep is quite different because of the of frequencies in lower frequencies in uh, in uh, so-called slow wave or delta band. Uh, so, and this is uh, the occurrence of slow activity on the EG is taken as a very important defining characteristic uh, of sleep, which distinguishes it from uh, waking. Uh, and we can uh, look at much more deeper what are the uh, cellular phenomena which give rise to occurrence of slow waves. If we record multi unit neural activity from the cortex, we can see that slow waves correspond to cessation of neural spiking. Uh, and uh, if you record single neurons, like shown in this cartoon, uh, individual slow waves uh, correspond to uh, cessation of spiking and synaptic activity and hyperpolarization. Uh, but here, what is interesting, when we reach this uh, stage, um, you really may ask, but what this has to do with sleep at all? So, uh, so how far we can go in uh, defining sleep? And, um, at this level. And in fact, if you look at this phenomena, which we take as uh, phenomena characterizing sleep, such as occurrence of up and down states, uh, they, occur, they have been recorded in vitro, under anesthesia, in pathological conditions, and even an expert sometimes cannot tell a difference. Uh, if, if you look at slow waves uh, during sleep, they, they appear to be remarkably similar to slow waves recorded under some of uh, anesthetics, both in terms of morphology, but also of um, topography on the scalp. Uh, and you can even uh, induce slow waves by several different uh, approaches. For example, in this case, when uh, one side of the brain is stimulated with just one quick electrical pulse, uh, and contralaterally, you record a slow wave, which is really indistinguishable from a slow wave uh, occurring spontaneously. Uh, so, and uh, now we are facing this very important dilemma. On one hand, as I mentioned, sleep is a behavior. On the other hand, it is characterized by some specific uh, um, electrographic uh, events occurring in the brain, and this all arises ultimately from individual neurons. Uh, and uh, so where is sleep uh, in this uh, triangle, so to say? Uh, and one possibility, and probably one very useful and promising approach uh, how to understand uh, at what level uh, sleep uh, can be found and studied, is to look more uh, closely at how it is regulated. 
Uh, it is very important because sleep does not happen just randomly whenever you wish, but uh, it is determined by several uh, important uh, factors. And as uh, many of you know, one is uh, one very important fundamental factor is the time of day. Uh, most animals have a preferred time when to be asleep and when to be awake, and uh, it is uh, regulated. Uh, uh, at least in part by uh, a suprachiasmatic nucleus. Uh, but it is, uh, of course, only a part of the story. And uh, um, I found this uh, old uh, paper, also from Alexander Borbe from 79, uh, which came up with this uh, quite interesting provocative idea uh, that, on one, uh, that while circadian system tells you when is the right time to, to be awake or to be asleep or do uh, certain kinds of behavior, uh, sleep may, um, uh, in fact, <clears throat> provide the partial liberation from constraints of the environment and from the in internal biological clock, so that you time your active your uh, your sleep uh, when you actually need it. And and this is this is in this um, article uh, it was proposed that sleep uh, enables recovery process. Which in fact is still a, uh, still an open issue. Although it is usually we call sleep as a recovery process, what is recovered during sleep is still unknown, uh, and this relates closely to a more general uh, topic, which uh, I will not really uh, address uh, today. Is what is the function of sleep? It, it is in fact a dangerous question because there are so many different ideas uh, which often disagree with each other, uh, and. Um, uh, processes which benefit from sleep are extremely diverse, starting from uh, synthesis of macromolecules to de brain development and synaptic plasticity. Uh, but what we can say probably uh, quite safely from the, uh, at, at this point is that uh, what sleep does is, it, uh, is uh, sleep recovers the ability to function optimally during wake. Indeed, if you skip just a few nights of sleep, it is virtually impossible to maintain a fully functional uh, awake state. Uh, but then we run into the next problem, because so far I was using just word sleep, uh, and uh, sleep is, a, is an extremely uh, complex phenomenon. It is complex both in time and space. Uh, and with this uh, picture, I would like to emphasize that the, the sleep is a hierarchical process and the different manifestations of sleep can be found at many different uh, temporal scale in this case. Starting from the preferential occurrence of sleep during a specific time of day, uh, to uh, systematic changes of slow activity during sleep periods, alternation between non-RMNRM episodes, and then down to very fine level of spiking of individual neurons uh, in, and occurrence of individual slow waves. Uh, so, um, Let's go back to uh, uh, homeostatic regulation of sleep, uh, and uh, uh, I will try to explain how this enormous complexity of sleep can be reconciled with this very simple and elegant uh, framework. Uh, to quickly remind you what, what it means, uh, uh, for those who don't know, uh, it was proposed that um, uh, sleep need or sleep pressure in this, that uh, was called process S, increases during waking uh, with time awake and then decreases uh, with time asleep. Uh, so this 
quite simple. And if you prolong waking, then process increases, and the um, uh, computer modeling was performed to uh, estimate parameters of this uh, process. Uh, so then, uh, of course, uh, you need some neurophysiologic phenomenon that uh, um, reflects uh, homeostatic process. And this originally has been a total EG power, which, uh, since anonymously, but is mostly accounted for by slow wave activity, it became slow wave activity, which is a spectral power roughly between half a hertz and four hertz. Um, uh, which um, changes uh, in a very systematic way uh, during sleep uh, in, uh, in relation to preceding wake. Uh, on this graph, I show a, a typical night. So this we all go through this um, every night. So initially, when we go to sleep, we reach through the stages one to three to, to deeper stages with a lot of slow activity, and then REM sleep happens, and then usually. Uh, four or five cycles and slow activity progressively declines across the night. Uh, several very elegant experiments have, have been performed to really make this link between preceding sleep-wake history and slow-wave activity and to highlight two of those um, electrical sleep deprivation when after a baseline night one night was skipped so the subject were awake for uh, about 40 hours and the following night, slow activity was much higher initially during sleep. Uh, instead, if, if you take a nap in the middle of the day, it appears that you uh, discharge the need for sleep. And when you go to bed next night, first of all, it takes you longer to fall asleep. And then initial slow activity is much, uh, much lower. Uh, it is like slow activity precisely tracks the preceding history of being awake or asleep. Uh, this makes slow, slow activity a very important quantitative um, uh, parameter that describes sleep process because uh, it can be used not only to distinguish whether you are awake or asleep, but it also tells us a lot uh, about preceding history, whether it is early sleep, right after waking period, or if it is uh, late sleep. Uh, it is, however, still unknown um, what happens that uh, uh, makes you to fall asleep. So how the moment of falling asleep um, uh, is decided. Of course, environment plays a role, uh, but, uh, but uh, it was proposed that there is a certain threshold which, is, which process S is, uh, should, should reach, which prevents you from staying awake longer. And one uh, approach how to uh, investigate this is to uh, manipulate the behavior during waking. And I'll just show you one of the examples uh, running wheel activity. First, I'd like to uh, uh, mention this very recent study, which uh, uh, made a point that running the wheel in, 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 in part of naturalistic behavior in this study, run, running wheels were provided in the wild so that wild animals could run, mice, frogs, and even a slug. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they did it uh, voluntarily. And uh, running wheel activity is a very popular um, uh, um, uh, approach in, in, in the laboratory. And I would like to show you one of the experiments when um, three days were recorded, when mice were provided, provided with running wheel access on day one. You see this raster plot on the top when mouse is running and is staying awake. I'm plotting slow activity here, color-coded for different states. Uh, but when um, uh, running wheel is prevented, 
uh, is basically blocked. It takes just a couple of hours before mouse takes a nap. So simply by uh, giving access to the running wheel, the entire um, uh, distribution of sleep can be affected quite dramatically. Uh, uh, this mouse slept uh, about two hours more on this day. Uh, uh, but uh, the uh, important point that I would like to mention here is that uh, uh, even in this condition, sleep is precisely regulated. So although the amount of sleep and distribution was completely different, if you correlate preceding waking duration without running wheel, as you see it is much shorter, and with running wheel, it still predicts, uh, predicts precisely subsequent slow activity. So although sleep architecture is altered, sleep is still regulated. Uh, and um, uh, so what else can we do to, to understand uh, what happens during waking, which uh, le in, uh, is correlates with increase in sleep pressure? So uh, one can look uh, at um, uh, waking counterparts parts of the homeostatic process. So, so far I was talking that slow activity during sleep uh, is related to preceding waking duration. But if you look more uh, closely at the wake EG, it appears that it is also not stable, but it changes systematically. Uh, uh, on this uh, plot, I show a four-hour sleep deprivation in, a red, in reds. 100% is the spectrum uh, during waking, during the first hour of sleep deprivation, and these are subsequent hours. And you can see gradual increase in this low, slow theta frequencies, which increase progressively during, uh, during waking. Uh, uh, th this, this increase appears to be dis uh, determined by what happens during waking. For example, in this experiment, um, uh, rats uh, stayed awake for just two hours, but they were using one of their paws because they would uh, retrieve food pellets, and appeared that using preferentially just one paw that imposes a load on contralateral motor cortex leads to an asymmetry uh, such as the slow theta frequency increases in the part of the brain that was used more during waking. This was also uh, confirmed more recently in a human study when subjects spent 40 hours uh, doing dif uh, being involved in different activities, either listening to audiobook or in a driving uh, simulator. Uh, and to uh, cut the story short, uh, the, the result was that those parts of the brain which were, are known to be involved in these specific tasks they showed preferential increase of against uh, slow theta activity across waking periods. Uh, so um, I would like to also uh, show um, this experiment so to again uh, reinforce this point that uh, occurrence of slow slow frequencies is activity dependent. Uh, um, by this study, um, uh, when uh, unilateral cortical spreading depression was induced in one hemisphere, as you can see here, and then in uh, subsequent uh, time period, the, the hemisphere that was uh, uh, that underwent the cortical spread depression showed slow activity both uh, during waking and even during REM sleep. So again, that slow activity, occurrence of slow activity is de determined by uh, preceding, preceding history, even local one. And going even more local, uh, in this experiment, the rat was um, uh, uh, received uh, stimulation by brief light flashes in one eye at two hertz uh, for two seconds. 
And if you record local Fibonacci potentials from several locations, you can see something quite curious that uh, uh, in the contralateral occipital derivation evoked potentials were induced, which were followed by a, a local slow wave, uh, which uh, might have occurred because of the local increase of activity. Finally, if you look at uh, individual neurons, you can see that uh, uh, overall multi-unit activity is very different if you compare beginning of sleep deprivation and end of sleep deprivation. While at the beginning neurons fire in a fast and irregular manner, after just a few hours of sleep deprivation, although the animal is awake, uh, the pattern changes quite substantially. So in this case, neurons start uh, showing brief periods of silence, similar to what happens uh, during sleep. Uh, so and then uh, we go back to our original question, but what, uh, is there any sensing mechanism that tell, tells that um, it is time to go to sleep? Uh, so one possibility uh, would be that um, we, we do feel subjectively that we are tired. Uh, on the other hand, uh, with time awake, uh, we and animals uh, become progressively impaired in the behavioral task, which probably provides some uh, feedback signals, signals the necessity to fall asleep. In this experiment, the animal was again trained to reach for sugar pellets, uh, and we found that um, those brief periods of uh, overall neural silence would happen sometimes in the motor cortex, and they, they uh, predicted in many cases a mistake in this, in this specific task. Uh, 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 so if, if an off period, as we call these periods of silence, occurred within a few hundred milliseconds before the original movement, then it is more likely to make an error. Uh, and uh, of course, it is, very, uh, it is not an easy task to investigate the link between behavioral uh, changes and uh, between uh, uh, the occurrence of local sleep, for example. Because there are so many um, uh, factors which determine mean behavior. And one of them is, uh, is an integration between internal information flows, such as existing memories, proprioception, reference copy, and also external information flows, which you need to integrate and disambiguate in the right uh, in the right way. But this could be a promising um, avenue to, to go, and um, I, I have to apologize because I need to switch uh, to the movie, which I was not able to set the screen. Uh, and one of the tasks that we are developing to address this phenomenon is a visual discrimination task uh, uh, in a mouse, um, which consists of the following. So this mouse initiates a trial on the rear of the cage, uh, and then uh, uh, two images appear, and the uh, mouse is trained over many days to make a discrimination between these two images. So this, uh, in this case, as we see, the 45-degree gradient orientation is correct, and mouse is, uh, is doing quite well. So you can see that it uh, uh, might have a very uh, broad uh, field of uh, view, so it, it doesn't have to turn completely to see the screens. It just looks a little bit on the side. It can probably get a good idea where to go. Now it made a mistake, and it, it gets frustrated. <laughs> uh, but now it will correct itself. 
Okay, and probably what you saw here is that mouse always turn in, uh, in one direction. So it is a very interesting asymmetric uh, task, which in fact allowed us to uh, obtain an interesting result when uh, we uh, when we performed sleep deprivation. Uh, we looked at the performance in this task, and we found that most mice are asymmetric, so they turn uh, in, in one direction, so to, to touch the screen. And some mice preferred uh, left uh, turn, other right turn, and they were quite consistent or roughly consistent between control and sleep deprivation. Uh, and it turned out that uh, mice, uh, when the mice turn to their preferred side, if the correct image on the ipsilateral side, they're more likely to choose it, because it is not only the preferred side, but it is also closer, closer uh, to them. Uh, but after sleep deprivation, uh, uh, they showed quite a substantial reduction in, in, in this specific configuration. It looks like they, um, they look back, identified the desecrated image, but then uh, uh, miscalculated the, the um, movement that is required to reach the stage, uh, to reach this image. Uh, so in this case, uh, one can really look at very fine aspects of motor behaviors uh, um, and to understand the uh, effects of sleep deprivation on, on that. Another uh, uh, avenue that we are pursuing with this specific task, uh, we call it extended visual discrimination task paradigm. When the mice are performing this task for many hours in a row, so, some mice can, can do it for more than four hours, and one can, of course, uh, look, look at changes in the performance during this time and correlated to specific changes in brain activity. And I'd like to show one example when the mouse uh, would perform this task for about two hours, and we measured the latency between trial initiation and the nose poke, and you can see a very interesting trend. Although the mouse was performing very well, it makes a lot of correct choices, within three seconds, but there is a gradual shift towards prolongation of latency, which probably results from an occurrence of, uh, uh, or may, may arise from occurrence of local sleep. Uh, all right, and um, of course, when you are staying awake for many hours, um, when you are involved in such active behaviors, when your arousal promoting system is very high and active, uh, it may override them, uh, uh, this uh, sleep need that builds up as time awake. And probably once in a while you need to test your readiness to fall asleep. And we again saw uh, some indication that this is happening uh, in, again in this experiment with Rhinoville activity. Uh, when you look uh, at a finer time resolution at just a couple of hours of waking, you can see that mouse does not run continuously, but it makes interruptions every 10-15 minutes, and uh, this is a spectrogram, and then slower <coughs> frequency starts dominating. So in this case, mouse stops running, probably to reduce arousal, promoting neuromodulation to, to really re uh, allow, uh, to reveal the status quo of the networks. Uh, 
Yeah, okay, no, uh, first I, I'm not sure if they're running because this corresponds to foraging. Mm -hmm. I think there is a very different kinds of behavior because foraging is a purposeful behavior and the run with activity, uh, we still don't know why mice run for sometimes 20 kilometers. But anyway, in this case, uh, um, I don't really know if they feed every time of this. I'd rather, uh, they, they may be involved in many different behaviors, but in any case, uh, they, they are mostly quiet in this case because also infrared activity is reduced. So maybe they do feed once in a while, so I, I just don't know. Um, all right, and now, uh, finally, so now we went through what happens during waking, and now uh, let's try to uh, look more closely what happens during sleep. So this is, uh, again, just a drawing of what happens hypothetically with the homeostatic sleep pressure or sleep needs. So it is high at the beginning of sleep, it declines, and here you wake up. And of course, it's much more complicated than that. First of all, we know that uh, during the sleep period, there are many non -rem, individual non-REM episodes. In humans, as I mentioned, there are four or five. Uh, in the, uh, rats or mice, it may be many, uh, many more of those. Uh, they are much more frequent. And there is a very interesting dynamics of slow activity within each individual episode. If you take this episode, which is in the rat, about five, 10 minutes, subdivide into equal parts and look what happens with incidence of slow waves and slow activity, you can see this very interesting picture. So it is very low initially and then it takes uh, some time to build up. Uh, those were average values, uh, but if you look at just one individual case, these are two individual episodes of one individual red and a plot amplitude of slow waves. Uh, it is a very, again, complex dynamic. So once in a while, uh, slow activity drops, sometimes it even corresponds to what we call brief awakening, but it is uh, not stable uh, at all, and we, in fact, still cannot explain what happens, what accounts for this uh, fragmentation of individual episodes. Uh, but what we know is uh, that sleep is a, falling asleep is a gradual process. Uh, the brain does not transition from fully awake state uh, to fully asleep uh, at once, but if you record for 20, in this case for 20 seconds around the transition from waking to sleep, and you look at slow waves occurring at four different cortical locations, it appears that uh, slow waves sometimes appear in only some of the derivations and not everywhere at once. So, for example, this time period, uh, it would be if you were scoring based on frontal derivations also, you would call it sleep. If you look at... Um, the parietal derivation, you would probably call it wake. So, so it is a, what um, uh, Mahovald and Shen called fluid boundaries between states. Uh, and it, it really takes a while until all um, derivations uh, show uh, uh, slow waves nearly synchronously. But this, of course, not not that simple. So and we can quantify it systematically if we record a uh, few locations and we find slow waves. This is what we call global slow waves. They occur simultaneously in two derivations. And if we record multi-unit activity, it also, uh, neurons go silent also in synchrony. But we also can um, uh, come, uh, develop uh, strict criteria, what we call a local sleep. For example, this would be a local slow wave. We slow wave just in one derivation, another is completely active. To give you an impression how 
local is uh, our sleep. I'd like to show you this graph. Uh, well, this is red in this case, but with humans probably it's even more local. Uh, and I show 10 seconds of multi-unit activity in the auditory cortex. These are many channels which were recorded, and in the frontal cortex. And uh, you can see this uh, darker um, periods. This is when neurons stop firing. This is what we call off periods, meaning absence of extracellular spiking. Uh, and you can see that uh, rarely it occurs simultaneously between two regions. So slow waves occur uh, quite um, uh, quasi randomly, quite independently between different cortical locations. Although the rat is asleep continuously. Uh, uh, so uh, the occurrence of global and local uh, slow waves appears to be determined by preceding history, such as if you look at uh, uh, sleep after sleep deprivation. So this is our typical decline of slow activity during a period of sleep after four, hour of, uh, four hours of waking. And if we quantify uh, global slow waves, they're much more frequent during this period than during this period. So early sleep is characterized by uh, better uh, spatial synchronization of slow waves. Uh, but but uh, here I would like to emphasize right away that uh, slow waves are not simply local and global, but they are very dynamic and, uh, as uh, some of these authors called, idiosyncratic entities. Uh, if you report from many electrodes, slow waves can occur um, at, uh, at many different locations. And you can, uh, with high density EG especially, you can track the propagation across, uh, across the scalp. Uh, and uh, some, there are some preferential uh, locations where slow waves originate. But in any case, it is a very, a very complex uh, picture. Uh, and uh, in fact, this uh, appeared to be a problem for the, uh, this entire concept of sleep homeostasis. As, uh, 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 Alex Borbe mentioned to me once that uh, it was so uh, when it was developed based on just one single channel, slow activity predicted uh, preceding sleep wake history so beautifully, but then when regional um, aspect of homeostatic sleep process was discovered, then it appeared to be uh, much more difficult to relate preceding sleep wake history with uh, slow activity. Uh, so I uh, will not go into detail here, but there are many studies now which show that uh, slower activity is not simply determined by preceding waking duration, but also by um, uh, uh, other, other factors, um, such as, for example, if you use uh, specific activation of a local brain area, either whisker stimulation or, uh, again, uh, food palatation <coughs> task, you can, it can lead to quite um, pronounced regional changes which, do not, which uh, cannot be really accounted by this two-process model of sleep regulation. Uh, so is sleep homeostasis a local process? So this, this would be kind of a new, new uh, novel notion which uh, I think is extremely promising. Uh, so uh, basically if uh, before uh, this model postulated that Preceding, uh, being, simply being awake uh, resulted in increased sleep uh, slow activity. Now it appears that those specific local brain areas or specific networks that were used in some way during waking, uh, they would 
preferentially engage in slow activity to obtain whatever functions uh, slow waves provide. Uh, uh, but then it, it is becoming a really uh, difficult task um, for the brain to decide when it is to wake up. Because, because of its uh, enormous complexity, there are so many networks in the brain which are used during waking to a very different extent. And then each of those networks, presumably, if this entire concept is, uh, is, uh, is correct, needs to up obtain, express certain number of slow, slow waves to obtain the recovery. So how would you know um, when it's time to wake up? Uh, and one possibility would be if sleep recovers your optimal function during waking, you can monitor the progress of this recovery process by waking up at regular intervals, going to the world, trying to do your regular things until until you are. But obviously, this is a very uh, uh, inefficient way because of sleep inertia, because it is a wrong time of day, uh, and and so on and so forth. Uh, so in, instead, it appears uh, uh, that uh, there is a mechanism within sleep that may uh, provide this function. So as I mentioned briefly, REM sleep is another a very different brain state that occurs uh, very periodically during, during sleep process. Uh, and um, recently, we proposed in a, in a very speculative uh, article that uh, REM sleep can provide uh, this uh, testing or monitoring function of the readiness of the brain for real wakefulness. In, in two words, during waking, the need for recovery of all kinds, being plasticity related or energy, increases, and then sleep provides, recovers this need. Uh, but within sleep, uh, the brain switches regularly between two stages, uh, non-REM sleep and REM sleep. And we propose that during non-REM sleep, slow oscillations encompassing specific networks provide uh, this whole range of recovery functions. But then, uh, regularly, when you go in a awake-like state, but remaining offline, these circuits, these local networks, can be tested um, for their readiness for uh, real wakefulness. Of course, this needs to be uh, tested if it is true at all. Uh, but perhaps the first and obvious question: Okay, if REM sleep uh, provides this uh, function, it, it must also have some local features. Uh, and uh, um, in rodents, usually we score REM sleep based on theta activity and absence of the EEG, uh, EMG, uh, and uh, we know that uh, theta activity in REM sleep is. Probably originates from the hippocampus and then propagates across the brain. But if you record two locations, in this case again frontal and occipital, uh, uh, you don't see uh, a sinusoid just going exactly being identical in two regions. And you can uh, investigate it in better detail. For example, if you filter theta band between six and nine hertz, you can see very interesting waxing and waning pattern. It is never stable. Uh, and uh, if you uh, use Hilbert transform to uh, calculate instantaneous amplitude, you can, um, you, you, you can uh, detect at a, very fine, at a very fine time scale when theta activity is increasing and uh, when it is increasing one derivation, not in another. Uh, and here I show this uh, instantaneous amplitude in front of occipital derivation 
And you can see that it is again a very complex and dynamic picture. Street activity is never, never identical in two locations. Sometimes they are well in phase, sometimes they are totally out of phase, but there is a lot, a lot of local activity happening within REM sleep, which can be assessed, for example, with this approach. All right, and uh, the last part that I would like to quickly um, mention is, uh, so uh, when you go through uh, the sleep period, at some point you have to wake up. Uh, and um, another study that we did recently is we investigated this early first few minutes after awakening, uh, and we asked the question in a, again, provocative way if there is some uh, sleep inertia in rats. In this case, I show you uh, uh, 15 minutes before arousal and 15 minutes after arousal, and this is basically all episodes which contribute to this analysis. And if you look at firing rates of uh, cortical neurons, it appears that overall firing activity is low initially after awakening, but then it increases with time. Uh, you can calculate based on this neuronal off periods. Uh, it appears that after when the animal wakes up, off periods are more frequent, and then uh, uh, this declines across the time. So not, uh, we concluded that the animals are not really fully awake initially after arousal, but is also a local process. And probably the most interesting part of this study was that, um, without going much into detail, it, was, it really mattered if the arousal occurred from, from REM sleep or from non-REM sleep. And unexpectedly, when the animal woke up from REM sleep, there was more off periods initially during waking, although we uh, suspected that uh, the, those off periods simply carry over from non-REM sleep. All right, uh, so I uh, have just a few slides left, and uh, so far I mm, was trying to uh, <coughs> look at uh, all this uh, variety of phenomena uh, which describe sleep and characterize sleep at many different temporal and spatial scales, uh, which probably are very essential to understand sleep and to understand its function properly. Uh, but you would probably argue that, um, uh, well, this so far I was talking about um, mammals, which have uh, electrophysiologically defined, e.g. defined sleep and waking. Uh, but we know that sleep is a, uh, is a phenomenon uh, which can be found in uh, virtually all animals carefully studied so far, including in invertebrates. Uh, so what about, uh, what about those? Uh, and uh, here I would like to just highlight one of the most recent studies in when sleep was behaviorally very well characterized in aplysia, which is a very uh, popular research subject, specifically for uh, learning and memory. And this would be a very uh, promising uh, avenue. And, uh, but one of the uh, most prominent theories on sleep function, uh, which is uh, so-called synaptic hemostasis hypothesis, Makes, uh, makes quite a strong point that uh, in, indeed uh, sleep, um, uh, sleep function maybe which is uh, they were proposed so-called synaptic downscaling may be achieved by many different ways. So even uh, sleep may be different in different species. Uh, still, uh, it, it should serve uh, some, uh, some universal function. 
Uh, and this may be true, although I would uh, rather suggest that um, by look, by rather than finding similarities between species, it, it is very useful to look at differences uh, in sleep between species because uh, brain anatomy is different, and many other senses are different. Which uh, and since brain emerges from from the brain and is constrained by the complexity of the brain, uh, it can tell us um, uh, whether sleep is indeed the price for brain complexity. And the price uh, can be quite high, as we know from a variety of uh, um, brain disorders which are invariably associated with sleep disturbances, uh, such as neuropsychiatric disorders, uh, and which we can study both in humans and uh, animal models. Uh, I would like to thank, first, first of all, uh, SCNI and the DPAC and, uh, and DCN for their support during this my initial period uh, of settling in. I'd like to thank um, my, uh, the laboratories who obtained uh, all the training and the data which I showed today came from, uh, mostly from these labs. I'd like to thank many of my colleagues specifically and personally for their support and some some of my collaborators, uh, and also the funding I have. Thank you very much for your attention. Thanks very much, Bye.